Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's over the top radio, snowbound radio. We're really promoting both channels tonight, snowbound and over the top cycling, because we've got an athlete here who's really good at both. Michael Friedberg, we're here at Yellow Belly in Boulder, Colorado. Thanks very much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for going into the restaurant. Hopefully, we're going to be taking a lot of your time in the future because this would be a great place to do some shows. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. The cycling and skiing communities have been really great to us, and we love uh, we love things that bring it together and uh, bring bring people here and to be part of the community. Now, what do you consider yourself as far as a skier or a cyclist? What sport do you really identify with? Or, Man, or I'm, I'm properly washed up. So, um, you know, I did have a run of it uh, skiing World Cup. My last year on World Cup was 2003. I'm still involved in the sport, uh, you know, as part of VSSA, which is the country's, public, the country's first and only publicly funded sports academy in Vail. Um, still love working with young athletes. Still have, uh, you know, some connections with kids that are currently skiing World Cup and some kids that are you know, about to be there. But uh, as far as my own athletics, uh, it's cycling. Um, I haven't done anything in the competitive uh, arena of skiing. I, sk- I guess I skied pro two years after. Oh, you did? Afterwards, yeah, there was a little tour um, that Red Bull sponsored called Mogul Mania. Um, you know, and so I did, I did that, but that was just, uh, you know, to get a little prize money while I was going to school. Now, some people hear freestyle and think Susie Chapstick. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Um, I mean, so my years on the team, you know, objectively speaking, was kind of a zenith. You know, I was on with, uh, you know, kind of starting with Johnny Mosley. Yep. And then, uh, you know, Jeremy Bloom was super dominant. Travis Mayer uh, won a silver medal in uh, Utah. And then uh, Toby Dawson was someone I came into the sport with who uh, won bronze in uh, Torino. And so, you know, it was a really cool experience to be on a team with those guys, but um, it really solidified that I was good and not great. You know, and I was always, um, you know, my last podium uh, was at national championships in 2003 when I retired, and I was on with uh, um, Travis Mayer and and, uh, and Toby Dawson, who were both Olympic medalists. But, um, you know, in that group of guys, man, I was an also-ran. I, uh, I was good enough to be on a team, good enough to be funded, but, um, you know, I just couldn't. I couldn't get the results uh, that those guys were capable of. And so to be on a team when it was that good, you know, we won a Nations Cup all those years. And, um, um, you know, it was cool, but it was also a little bit of a bummer to, uh, you know, there's there's less opportunity when you're with the real stars of the, the game like that. Now, that was really before the Dew Tour and kind of the X Games and 
Yeah. Where yeah. you really could get some pretty decent money as far as prize goes, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that there was maybe, um, you know, I would say that, that freestyle skiing was stronger then, um, just because, you know, that was kind of as far uh, left as you could go, you know, okay. like that was when, when racing was, you know, stick chasers, and like, you know, as far left as it went was mogul skiing, and you're right, it was before, you know, Mosley kind of ushered in that era, and so it really was before... Um, that you know, so a lot of those those kind of pioneers of that were skiing bumps when I was you know the Canadians, the you know JF Cusson and Vincent Dorian and JP Claire and actually Rory Bushfield. You know we all overlapped on uh, on Norams together. A couple of those guys, um, you know Rory had a brief stint on World Cup. Um, I don't think JP and I think those guys kind of went into the the free ride thing then. But um, you know I'd say that that mogul skiing was actually a little stronger then, just because uh, there wasn't that same kid who's who's interested in that side of the sport wasn't torn between half pipe and slope style right. and you know there's just kind of there's just kind of mogul skiing back then um, but i gotta tell you i've stood at the top of a competition mogul run and those things look terrifying yeah they are man they are, <laughs> you know it's uh it's a young man's game and it is uh you know just to to land those jumps in the moguls is uh it's a feat, you know, and I think that's... I have that's no idea how you do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that's kind of what, um, what, I, what kept me more involved in mogul skiing and not, you know, wanting to go so much into the park and pipe was just that, that element of skiing, you know? I mean, I think that in order to... That's true. You know, in order to... Um, you know, and those, those guys are all great skiers in their own right, but, um, you know, I was really into the, the technical aspects of the, of the sport. Now, what did you bring from skiing to your bicycle racing? Um, competitive drive, you know, it's kind of funny when there have been a lot of, uh, great skiers that crossed over to, you know, be great cyclists and it's, you know, I, I didn't do, uh, Nordic skiing, you know, I mean, I was, uh, mogul skiing, the runs are about 20 seconds long with, you know, with two jumps. So, um, you know, and, and I weighed 180 pounds when I did that. So, um, you know, it was just kind of this competitive drive. I'd say that when I got into cycling, I'd already kind of perceived of myself as being, you know, this world-class athlete. So I think that, um, I probably did better early on than I had any right to do just because you'd kind of look at these other guys and, just, you know, like, oh, these aren't, you know, these these aren't aren't guys that should be beating me, <laughs> even though, you know, they, they probably were. But, uh, yeah, I think I had a little bit more go hard. Um, um, wait, 180? You look like you're about 140. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably about, I'm like a solid one, 153 these days. Okay, but yeah. close enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, the, the weightlifting and all of that that you do for skiing, you know, is... Uh, it's a very different, different sort of training. So, did you also bring your worth ethic to your cycling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know. And I happened into cycling more or less. You know, I, I, when I quit skiing, I think everyone that um, quits an elite career ends up like a little brokenhearted, you know. Because I mean, like I said, I was good, I wasn't great, and uh, you know, at first it's kind of like the near miss, you know, and you're motivated to train harder, and then you know, you kind of realize that everyone else is training harder. And I was just always one step behind in skiing, um, you know, from where I really wanted to be, which was, you know, like on that World Cup podium. And so, um, you know, when I, when I, I had a lot of solace in that I did train really hard. You know, I didn't feel like, you know, oh, if I'd only, you know, worked you a little harder. Did you bike very much for skiing? No, no, no. I was like trampolines, plyometrics, weightlifting, um, you know, and I, I do have a tendency to get pretty skinny, so um, you know, cardio was was not a big part of my my regimen. Um, yeah, you know, so I think that um, you know, I didn't necessarily want to get back into competing, 
Um, and I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I, no, I kind of felt like I'd exhausted my competitive drive in, uh, in skiing. But then, you know, after being uh, retired for only a year, I had a really good friend, Barkley Robinson, who was, uh, um, you know, he is ex-US ski team and just a really good guy and kind of a mentor and like a big brother to me when I was skiing and he'd gotten really into bike racing and so uh i just kind of tagged along to a couple races with him and you know I, I think there is something about the athletic process that um is grounding and you know for me it's always been the clearest example of uh effort equaling achievement and i and so um you know i just kind of ended up ended up racing bikes and you know i still race almost uh almost every weekend so what's that like? I mean, 2003, you're retiring. You must have been early 20s. Yeah, was mid-20s. Yeah. But at that age to say, okay, I'm going to stop. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, it was really tough because uh, it is an early maturation sport. It's my whole That's identity. Really been your whole life. Oh, my whole identity was wrapped up in it. And, uh, you know, my kind of best friends at the time were all uh world cup skiers you know and all guys on that and so you know it was before facebook and and all of those things so i really kind of felt like i was dropping out of this life you know i mean it's like it was almost it was almost akin to a death in a way where it's like you know like this this whole thing is going to kind of go on without me and uh you know i I feel fortunate that i've retired on the podium and with the option to keep going um but you know i just didn't see i didn't see um anything that I could do to, um, to kind of change that cycle of like good, but not great. And, and I kind of got to the point where I didn't need to do any more years of good, but not great. You know, and I had some nagging injuries, I had some back stuff going on and, you know, some things that were kind of making the process less appealing. And then also that sense of, um, you know, I think that skiing and for the most part cycling, you know, 99% of people that are pro cyclists or pro skiers, you know, it's something you do before you do something else. Yeah. And so there was a little... Which we're going to get into with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was, uh, you know, so there was, like, there, there was that element of, um, you know, I've really given this a good, I've really given this a good, good shot, and it's time to, it's time to get on with it. Yeah. Now, does cycling give you the same charge that you would get? I mean, that's just got to be an unbelievable feeling to be at the top of a run big crowd yeah do you get that from sport anywhere else no um i really don't and it's kind of funny you know um how about from running your business (laughs) yeah i mean that's like probably the biggest biggest risk i've ever taken but it's interesting so you know some of the guys i was on world cup with a lot of the norwegians um and then uh pierre alexander rizzo is a canadian got into like the wingsuit thing you know like these guys were just like purebred adrenaline junkies you know and they just they they're doing, you know, they're kind of onto the ski flying, wingsuits, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess as much as I kind of hate to admit it, I guess I was a real jock. You know, like I kind of, I just, I really like the athletic process. I really like training. I like that it's pretty linear for me and that, um, you know, I just find it really grounding. And, and so, you know, I... You weren't doing it for the adrenaline rush. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I love to jump. I love to ski fast. You know, I think like that, you know, I think there's a certain personality that gets kind of attracted into that. And so I'd say like, you know, like on whatever that spectrum is but um you know and I'd also gotten hurt enough times you know like that you kind of start to look at some of these other things and so um you know and the biggest thrill um you know it's probably because I never won a world cup but the biggest thrill for me was um was being part of it you know and I think that like when you're training at the world cup level I I was such a student of the sport and such a fan you know I'd watched videos of these courses I had 
you know, I kind of got to join the World Cup in progress with Yanni Latala and all these Finns that had been winning World Cups that I'd watched, you know, in my parents' basement, you know, like, you know, just really watched their skiing and studied there, you know, and to kind of be part of that was really cool for me. And, um, and also to stand in a starting gate at a World Cup and know that you empirically have the chance to be the best skier in the world that day. I mean, I just, I loved the energy and, you know, I think it was the first time that I'd ever been part of something, you know, bigger than I was. And, you know, like just that, I really liked um, the process of, of skiing World Cup. We're visiting with Michael Friedberg at his restaurant, Yellow Belly in Boulder, Colorado. It's over the top cycling. It's also Snowbound. Our two channels uh, got a show going on both of them this time. Michael, let's get back to the bike. Um, I guess that's where we are now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what type of racing really appealed to you? Um, you know, I never did a ton of road. Uh, I did the steamboat stage race a couple times. Uh, I like to say that I'm the P- that I'm Peter principled in bike racing. That's a management book that basically says everyone gets promoted to their level of incompetence. So, I mean, I have a pro mountain bike license, so I'm by no means a pro mountain biker. You know, I've never made a living doing it, never aspired to. Um, I'm a cat one in cyclocross. I'm a cat two on the road. So, you know, especially around here, being a cat two on the road means that you're racing, you know, whatever, you know, whoever's home from Garmin that weekend. And, you know, and so, um, you know, I, uh, I really enjoy the racing and it's, it's such a good group of people. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been really great for business to be part of the cycling community. But, um, you know, I'd say that, I'd say that my athletic career in cycling has, has always just been, you know, a real, I'm one of those guys that don't really have hobbies, I have obsessions. Um, but you know, it's as close to a hobby as, as I'm capable of having. I've never, um, you know, I've never really made a lot of sacrifices for the bike. Um, it's just been a really fun, fun outlet though, that you race pro mountain bike two here on the road, one in cyclocross, but you're being very modest. You're not a sandbagger. I'm not sandbagging. I get, <laughs> I get, I get crushed every week. I'm, I'm definitely. Uh, but you're up there, yeah, racing yeah. with the best. No, I mean, and, I, and I love that. You know, I, um, I, I really appreciate. You know, it's not quite. You know, because I'm not that strong. It's not akin to being at the World Cup thing. But racing, you know, in Boulder Cup, or I raced Elite Nationals when they were at Valmont, and you know, I'm a complete non-factor in those races. But um, you know, partly because of the reverence I do have for sport and you know, because I was able to do what I was able to do in skiing, you know, there's something really cool to line up with, you know, Jeremy Powers and Jonathan Page. And, you know, I'm several rows back. Those guys don't know I'm there. But, you know, I like to, it's it's similar, you know, especially at Valmont for Nationals. There's so many people out there. It was that that sense of being connected to, you know, just something big that was happening. And, and I felt really fortunate to be in the big race. You know, I mean, I, that's that's, I would rather... I'd rather be slugging it out for, you know, like stay on the lead lap in that than to, um, you know, be in a, in a race that isn't the championship or isn't the, you know, I want to race at the highest level that they'll let me, I guess is what I'm trying to say, even though, um, even though I don't have any delusions of, of, you know, winning anything. And the reason I wanted to go there is because I want to know what sport has helped you 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Start a business. I mean, yeah. starting a business in Boulder and Vail, that's out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'd have to say that that probably comes more from, like, you know, as a skate rat kid, I was a skateboarder when I was younger. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a sort of DIY creativity and energy that um, comes out of that. You know, it was a lot of, like, a lot of these skateboard companies are owned by skateboarders. And a lot of, um, you know, and it was, like, kind of a lot of these punk bands were started, you know, in basements. And, uh you know, so what we're in right now used to be Extreme Pita. We opened our first restaurant in Vail on an old Taco Bell, and we used a lot of existing, you know, restaurant equipment. And I painted the bird on the wall. And, you know, like these, you know, like that's that menu board is from Extreme Pita. You know, like we really just kind of, it was, it was a, the sort of DIY, um, you know, creativity that I think probably came more out of skateboarding than the other two, if I'm, if I'm totally honest. But Yellow Belly, why chicken? What was it? Where did the idea come from? And, yeah, I mean, so I've got I've got it? partners. I'm not a chef, um, you know. And and really, what it kind of came from is uh, I'd been doing a little bit of work with um, Tom Spear, who Tom and Brendan sent it, um, started Bare Naked Granola and sold it for an obscene amount of money, and kind of moved to Vale. And I met those guys, and they were trying to figure out what their next moves were, and they were. Um, really big in a natural foods brand so they went on to do Evol and I got to help do some um some stuff with uh you know with Evol in the early days and at that point I was also racing bikes for Tokyo Joe's and Larry oh. Leith um you know Larry is a, a great guy and he is a guy with a ski background and uh you know obviously passionately involved in cycling he sponsored Tokyo Joe's for years um and so I saw what he was doing um you know, in the kind of fast casual space and what Brendan and Tom were able to do in, in natural foods. And so, um, you know, we were also friendly with the Lark Burger guys who, you know, had kind of done, you know, an air out of Vail. And so our, our stories all kind of overlap. But, um, you know, it was, uh, why chicken? I mean, because it's delicious. <laughs> um, and you know, and there's kind of the philosophy behind your restaurant. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the philosophy behind our restaurant is that, um, you know, it's it's in a natural food space. That's important to us. We use good ingredients. The chicken's all natural, hormone-free, veg-fed, antibiotic-free, free-range. It's gluten-free. It's done in a uh, rice flour, and it's fried in a GMO-free rice bran oil. Um, 
but it's it's delicious fried chicken, and then it's paired with um, with all sorts of uh, you know fresh healthy sides and salads, and so um, you know I'm a big kind of scratch devotee, and uh, you know I think I think the world of Alan Lim, and uh, you know he's the guy who's telling you to eat cookies on your bike ride and to eat bacon. And, you know, I was just going to say, bacon. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, so that's kind of like what we do is like, you know, we pair um, health and taste indulgence. And it's a, that kind of, you know, real foods, whole foods um, kind of mentality. But, you know, we wanted to, you know, if you live an active lifestyle, you know, like why not have some, why not have some fried chicken? And, uh, you know, we actually put the, our fried white, um, we pressure fry it. It's boneless, skinless. Um, we actually just... I'm looking at a poster of the nutritional facts uh, blown up on uh, on a wall. It's um, you know five we'll percent. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's incredibly lean and 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 you know definitely uh, in line with something an athlete can eat on a daily basis. Uh, it tastes great. It does. Yeah. So, how did you come up with your recipes? Oh, that's all Eric, um, okay. Chef Eric Whooperman. Um, you know, and we've got a really great partnership because uh, you know I have never dipped my finger in anything and said it needs more of this or that and uh you know i mean he is um he is an incredibly talented chef and and we kind of have the divide and conquer there's just no i don't have any sort of background in food opinions and everything but i've no uh, i've no no i'm not at all responsible for the um for any of the recipes now you started in Vail, correct yeah the first one and i mean i see that happen with a lot of independent businesses where they're doing well and then they decide to branch out and it's just too much. I guess the Peter principle happens. Yeah. What did you feel, what motivated you to go ahead and open another restaurant in Boulder? I mean, so we've, you know, seen Larry Leith do it, we've seen Lark Burger do it. And, and Lark uh, Burger's just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, we really... Um, you know, we really believe that we're onto something and we're, you know, incredibly confident in what we're doing. We think that it's on on target with what, you know, America needs and, and wants. And so, um, you know, we really believe in the vision, but the other thing is, uh, you know, this is our, our landlord, uh, in Vail is our landlord down here. And they actually oh. came to us with this space and said, you know, we think you guys should be here. Um, but we had already decided that we wanted to do more of these, um, you know, and we raised money to do a third one that, um, is going to be better. You know, I mean, we kind of, we oh, did yeah. the, yeah, we, we did the first one, um, you know, with our life savings. And, uh, you know, it was an old Taco Bell, and we came down here. And, you know, like, these finishes aren't aren't anything fancy. You know, like, we feel like we're proving the concept. We feel like, um, you know, and then through this process, we've been able to um, raise some money. And so now when we go build the third one, um, you know, it's going to it's gonna look and feel like, a, you know, like, like a something that can, you know, kind of play at the the national level and you know it's kind of your dream there i mean we'd love to level would you like to expand well i mean so you know larry leith is just a, a great guy we've been texting today he's opening his 30th uh tokyo joe's in stapleton today and uh you know and so you know we'd like to we'd like to grow into a regional chain and um you know that's that's still a really ambitious thing um you know really ambitious thing to say out loud on the on the airwaves but um <laughs> You know, I mean, we a regional chain, and then uh, I would come think what it would may. Be realistic, though. I hope so. I mean, it's uh, it's not. You know, I don't. 
there's no there's no easy business but the restaurants are certainly not not one it's a little bit like being an athlete because it's just constant execution you know i mean we're open seven days a week and uh you know each day is an opportunity to put really great food out and make people happy and um you know deliver great customer service and product or you know it's a chance to to mess something up and you know and, and, and so it's just that constant execution you know, in sports, um, you know, at the academy, we say one day better a lot, you know, and just kind of, you know, whatever whatever the struggle is, you know, for, for kids, for coaches, you know, that process is just to be one day better. And, uh, you know, we embrace that here, but it is just that, you know, seven days a week, constant execution. How much do you travel? Um, between the two stores? Yep. Not a ton. You know, we've got a really great general manager in Vail. Okay. Um, I would, you know, I think the kind of pipe dream is to, to be back and forth a little bit more, but the the um, future of our business is definitely in the front range. Yeah, couldn't imagine driving I seventy. <laughs> yeah, but you're a skier, man. You know, it's like I, uh, I, I got to spend a couple of days up there this week, and you know, I mean, you, you you go up there to you know see your your employees and meet. You know, like we it's pretty seasonal up there, so we've got some new ones. And but you know, at the same time, I, I'm dying to to get on the hill and and to make some turns. And you know, I mean, that's just a big that's a, a still a big draw. Um, you know, for me, is to just just to have a good reason to go to Vail every now and again. How are you able to fit in training? Um, you know, I no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so it's interesting. You know, we were speaking offline, and like the kind of racing that, that you've done is is these incredible distance things. You know, I love cyclocross and I love um, XCO. Some, you know, like an hour and a half cross country or an okay. hour long cyclocross race is is not you know, something that's, that you need crazy volume to do. And, uh, you know, I mean, the business comes first. I'm not, I'm not, uh, putting a ton on, on the back burner, but, you know, I feel like there's plenty of time to ride. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things about being in the Boulder community is I do, I don't play golf and, you know, like there's all these, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying cycling's the new golf and I really embraced that. So, you know, like to get plugged into the Boulder community, you know, things like Wednesday morning Velo, um, have been great. You know, I show up on Wednesday morning Velo and, you know, gotten tens of thousands of dollars of catering out of, you know, all these amazing business owners that are CEOs of, of companies with lots of employees. And, you know, cycling has really kind of gotten, gotten us plugged into, um, a really great community that supports the restaurant. Um, and but that's kind of what Wednesday morning Vela was about though. Yeah, absolutely. Business owners together to really network. Absolutely. And, and, and so I've done that and, you know, and for me that's training, like those guys go hard, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no, uh, that's, so I get a great workout there. Um, we sponsor the short track races, uh, on Wednesday night, um, in Boulder, we sponsor the mountain bike series in Vail. Um, so I can go out and I can, you know, like sneak in a race, you know, midweek race, which is also great training. And, uh, you know, I like to, um, yeah, you know, I like to just go out and do, uh, you know, get as much riding in it as I can. Because, you know, to me, it's not just about racing. It's also, um, you know, there's a lot of great great friends and great camaraderie. So, you know, cycling kind of checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, but I'd say my weekly hours, you know, are like between 8 and 12 hours a week. And, you know, like that's pretty... Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it, that works fine for me. You know, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I, I can kind of... Uh, no, wait, eight to 12 hour work week? Or no, those would be, uh, that's the goal. That's the goal. I'm not even sure Larry Leith's there yet. <laughs> now, when you were an athlete, did you always have the goal of being an entrepreneur? 
you know, it's so... I mean, always is kind of a long time, but... Oh, it's so crazy. You know, I mean, one of the things that I'm really passionate about um, now is, you know, kind of connecting with, with athletes, um, you know, and talking a little bit about life after skiing or life after cycling, because I feel like my dad was really good about that with me, like, you know, kept me, you know, taking summer school classes and, you know, and kind of plugging away at, at college. But, um, you know, I didn't really think about anything other than skiing all the years that I did it. You know, I mean, I just, I was so focused on it, which I think is, you know, what I needed to be. But, um, yeah, I just didn't even really think about life after skiing. Do you ever um, miss it? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've become such a fan. You know, I love to just, you know, I follow it. I watch it. But, um, you know, there's also a lot of, uh, ugh, you know, I mean, it's a tough way. It's the highest highs and the lowest lows. It's a tough way to, I don't miss competing I guess you know I mean I wouldn't like in a sense that I would go back but um uh-huh. you know I do miss a lot of aspects of it but um you know that it's I was ready to be done you know and I kind of had to remind myself of that a few times because I think that you know I, I went and watched uh you know the you know, some world cups you know like in Deer Valley you know like right after retiring and you still kind of have that feeling of like oh, you know like these guys like you know, I'm probably still there, you know, kind of do it off the couch, but that goes away pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I didn't regret my decision to, to stop at all. I, I skied, skied plenty. Now, Yellow Belly. Yeah. As we're wrapping up, number one, where did you come up with the name? Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. And I guess uh, it's, we got enough water into the bridge, so I'll go ahead and tell it. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, in our naivete, we're going to open... Uh, with the name Yardbird, which is kind of a funny, um, my other partner, Barry is a Southern guy and that's what they call, uh, that's what they call chickens in the South. It's kind of a cool name. And so, you know, like we'd had the font picked out with the bird and everything and we were going to be Yardbird. And we found out that not only was it heavily trademarked, but the owner of that trademark had just won a James Beard award, which is kind of like the, the Emmys of <laughs> Tour de France of, uh, you know, whatever you want to say of, um, of, Made me of think cooking. Of the band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, so that was, um, that was, uh, something that uh you know didn't work out and a bird already had a yellow belly and uh it kind of came it kind of came on um to have some other meanings for us so you know we all quit really great jobs to do this and so you know yellow belly is synonym for coward which is a synonym for chicken um you know and and so we did a little bit of branding around it like our our sign says don't be scared um because you know i think that for us to quit our jobs and commit to um you know doing our own thing which is which is yellow belly um you know, it was sort of a rallying cry for us. It was also, people didn't really get the concept when we explained it at first, you know, like this idea that we were going to do fried chicken, you know, and that it was going to be healthy and all, you know, and so it was kind of like this, well, you, know, you can't be scared to eat uh, fried chicken, you know, and so that was, so some of the yellow belly stuff um, came from that, you know, don't be scared, go ahead and eat some fried chicken. A little bit like what Alan Lim's doing with uh, embracing the bacon. And, uh, you know, I'd say the last thing is it's just different. You know, um, it's really different branding. It's a, um, you know, we want to stand out. What we're doing is different. You've got the coolest socks. Ah, thanks, man. How can people find out more information about Yellow Belly? Where can they go? Where could they go to order some socks? So Yellow I mean, Belly, what a great stocking yeah, stuffer. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. If you come in and uh, and you mention that you heard this podcast, I'll give you a two for one. I'll give you a buy one get one on the socks. Um, you know, you can check out our website, uh, yellowbellychicken.com. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of information up there. And, uh, yeah, you know, the 
but the best thing to do is just come in and uh, get a plate of food. Michael Friedberg, thanks very much. Really appreciate visiting with you tonight. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming in and checking us out. Look forward to doing many more of these here. Sounds good. Yellow Belly in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.